Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. Okay, so just take a moment. I'm going to read to you Psalm 73. Uh, I'm going to read to you this psalm from a version that's not, uh, it's just a recent version called The Voice. Um, It's a, uh, uh, a paraphrase. But just take a moment to close your eyes and just listen to the words as I share them with you. Psalm 73, a song of Asaph. Truly God is good to his people, to Israel. To those with pure hearts. Though I know this to be true, I almost lost my footing. My steps were on slippery ground. You see, I envied arrogant people and thought the wicked looked pretty happy to me. They seem to live carefree lives, free of suffering. Their bodies are strong and healthy. They don't know trouble as I do. They're not plagued with problems as the rest of us are. They've got pearls of pride strung around their necks and they clothe their bodies with violence. They have so much more than enough. Their eyes bulge because they're so fat with possessions. They have more than their hearts could ever have imagined. There is nothing sacred for them and there is no one that is safe. Vicious sarcasm drips from their lips. They bully and threaten to crush their enemies. They even mock God as if he were not above. Their arrogant tongues boast throughout the earth. They feel and seem invincible. Even God's people turned and are carried away by them. They watch and they listen, yet they find no fault in them. You'll hear them say, how can the true God possibly know anyway? He's not even here. Where is he? So how can this God have any knowledge of what happens here? Let me tell you what I know about the wicked. They are comfortable at rest while their wealth grows and grows and grows. Oh, let this not, let, don't let this be. It seems I've scrubbed my heart to keep it clean and washed my hands in innocent. And for what? Why? For nothing. For all day I'm being punished, each day walking to stern chastisement. If I, had, if I had said to others these kind things about the plight of God's people, then I would know I would have betrayed the next generation. Trying to solve this mystery on my own exhausted me. I couldn't bear to look at it any further. I was overwhelmed. So I took my questions to the true God. And in his sanctuary, I realized. I realized. You certainly have set the wicked upon a slippery slope. You sent them up to the slide 
of their destruction. They won't see it coming. It will happen so fast. First, a flash of terror, then desolation. It's like a dream from which someone awakes. You will wake up, Lord, and loathe what has become of them. As for me, as for me, my heart overflowed with bitterness and cynicism. I felt as if someone had stabbed me. I didn't know the truth. I'd been acting like a stupid animal. But look at this. You are still holding me in your right hand. You have been all along. Even though I was angry and I was hard-hearted, you gave me good advice. And when it's all over, you will receive me into your glory. For all my wanting, I don't have anyone but you. There is nothing on earth that I desire other than you. I admit how broken I am in body and spirit. But God is my strength and he is mine. He is mine forever. It will happen. Whoever shuns the Lord will be silenced forever. He will bring an end to all who refuse to be true to him. But the closer I am to you, my God, the better because life with you is good. O Lord, the eternal God, keep me safe. I will tell everyone of what you have done. Amen. Talk about some strong words there, eh? Well, as I was preparing for this, I was reading an old journal of um, New Scientist, and they had this article in there about uh, kids' perception of science and how kids interpreted what they heard in regards to science. And they got these kids to write these things down. And here's some of their responses. There are three kinds of blood vessels, arteries, veins, and caterpillars. (laughs) This is actually my favourite one, the next one here. Water is composed of two gins, (laughs) oxygen and hydrogen. Oxygen is pure gin. (laughs) Hydrogen is gin and water. That's awesome. Blood flows down one leg and up the other. (laughs) Rhubarb is a kind of celery gone bloodshot. I love that one. Awesome. And the last one, to keep milk from turning sour, keep it in the cow. (laughs) It's funny how perceptions, perceptions are the way we see things. And the way we see things... Sometimes we turn it to reality. For a kid, it doesn't think much to say, oh, I'll put the sour milk back into the cow. You know, that's their perception. And we have to teach them, hey, well, yeah, that's going to be a little bit difficult. <laughs> but perception for us turns sometimes into reality, regardless of whether it's true or not. Um, uh, something a little bit more serious, back in the late 60s, <laughs> Um, there was a movement by a group of people who wanted to challenge tobacco companies by saying that there is a direct link 
between cigarettes and cancer. The opposing people to this view, guess who they were? Well, in the US, there were the Republicans, but also the Christians, especially the right-wing Christians, who felt that this was a liberal agenda, that this was coming from the left, and they brought out their own experts to say, what a load of junk, cigarettes tied to cancer, who can prove that? And they fought it with all their might. Guess what? If we saw a sign like that next to the kids thing, we would laugh. But back then, they took it seriously. Perception has a way of turning what we think is true by turning it, we say it is true. We turn it to reality. We're looking at Psalms and we've just heard from Psalm 73. And we saw in the past the Psalms that we've touched on, Psalm 1, and each one having a word and what they mean, Psalm 1 being foundation, right? Psalm 8, creation. Psalm 23, trust. Psalm 32, forgiveness. Patience in Psalm 40. Psalm 42, yearning. And this week we're looking at injustice. And as you heard, you know, at the beginning of that Psalm, This guy is angry. Asaph, uh, who's written a number of psalms, he was the uh, head worshipper in the temple. This guy had a very prominent role in Israel. He played the role of Chris does in our church. Chris is right there. And you see him up front here and he announces and then you'll see him up there leading worship. So in the life of a Sunday morning, he plays a very important part. We kind of play it down today because it's a bit of a different environment. But imagine walking into the temple of the living God and the person up front wasn't necessarily the pastor or the priest. It was the lead worshiper. And his job was to make sure that you were connecting with God, the Lord God Almighty, This is who Asaph was. And in fact, when he starts his uh, psalm in Psalm 73, which, by the way, is my most favorite psalm, I love this psalm, and I'll tell you why as we go through it. But he starts off with this. Asaph says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. Sounds great, right? Sounds spot on. That's what we expect from our worship leader. That's what we expect. Praise God. He backs it up in Psalm 84 by saying, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. But there's a problem with those words. And here's the problem. Do all good things happen to us Christians? All the time. Who feels that sometimes it's a bit difficult to actually be a Christian? In fact, not always good things happen. You get jeered at by your friends for following things that they think you're crazy about. They seem to go out and party and get drunk and have a good old time. They're enjoying relationships in ways that our God has said, maybe that's not the way to be doing it. We're missing out. They're acting in ways that they seem to be having a lot of fun while I'm overwhelmed by trying to pay my bills my house is a mess my friends where are they 
And that's what Asaph is faced with because in the very next verse, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. You know, for the lead worshipper of the temple of God, and by the way, there's only one temple in Israel. It's not like there's multiple temples around and he's just one of the many. He is the one. Starts off the psalm so wonderfully well and now he says, I almost slipped. I almost left you, God. That's quite a large confession to make. You see, God, you might be good, you might be great, but I almost bailed on you. I I can't stand this. I'm overwhelmed. You see, when you read Psalm 73 and you read half of it, it sounds a lot like injustice, but it's not. So I'm crossing that injustice word out and I'm replacing it with another word, sustenance. See, the problem for those of us who have um, strong sense of injustice, the cause sometimes takes over completely so that if the cause falls apart, we ourselves fall apart. It's not the cause that drives us. It's not the cause that gives us sustenance. And the question I want to ask you, first of all, this morning is, what gives you sustenance? Straight from the NIV, let me read this to you. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. Their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would this God know? Does the Most High know anything? Now, do you think, do you think Asaph has a little chip on his shoulder? Do you think he's got a problem here? Do you think he's angry? Do you think just a little bit mad? He's made his point pretty clearly, hasn't he? That's it, mate. Share the love of God with them. And he goes on. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. I can't make any sense of it. This is the guy. This is the guy that's in the temple of the living God. Right behind that big curtain, there's the Spirit of the Lord living there. And he serves it every day. And yet, here's his struggle. So much that he is troubled deeply by it. In fact, he's worried. Because if I had spoken out like that, he says in in verse 15... I would have betrayed your children. I would have sounded like, who knows what? I would have misled them, maybe turned them away from you. That's how troubled he was. So the question I've got to ask you is what gives you sustenance? Is it the cause? Because this is very pertinent to us today. Very pertinent to us today. 
See how pertinent it is to us today? That's how pertinent it is to us today. <laughs> we'll get to it. I'll move it forward, don't worry. Nope. Isn't this fun when technology really works? He's got it. Awesome. So, I'll tell you why it's pertinent to us today. Uh, Those of you who've been following me on Facebook have noticed I've gotten back into my old habits of uh, theological discussions with old friends. And an interesting discussion I'm having with some of them is how American Christians are perceiving their leader. And how I'm trying to help them understand that the cause is more important to them than God's will for his nation. That God does not spend his time telling people how bad they are. He doesn't spend his time abusing people with how wrong they are or calling them the Antichrist or calling them this or calling them that. Because you know what? You slap somebody in the face, don't expect to turn around and share the love of Christ with them. This is pertinent to us because Asaph is dealing with this. He sees an injustice. He wants to react. He wants to act. He wants to fight. This is wrong. It's like the marriage debate we have here in New Zealand. It's wrong what they're doing. We need to fight it. And then we want to turn around and share the love of Christ with them. There's a reason why the New Testament never, ever, ever attacks the emperor, or his policies, all the way he does does things. The New Testament challenges Christians to live the righteous life. I summed it up with a friend of mine. I said, you need to live conservatively, but share liberally. You need to live conservatively, but you need to share liberally. We are called to live the life God has called us to live by the love we have for him. But the moment we start fighting a cause and screaming out injustice is the moment we lose any right to share the love of God with people. Because those fighting skills are Satan's tools. Anger, hatred, Discord, disunity, gossip. And so sometimes I see what's going on and I think, no, I mean, I'm as opinionated as they come, believe me. And I am just as strong about injustice as anyone else. But I've got to hold, like Asaph, I've got to stop and think, what is fueling the cause? Where do I find my sustenance? And that's the next question. True sustenance comes, can only come from God. It can only come from God. Psalm seventy-three, seventeen. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Then I entered the sanctuary of the God of God, and I understood. I love that verse. Because at this point in the Psalm, things change completely turns things around. He remembers, hang on a second, 
It's not about what I think. It's not about what I feel. Let me turn to the Lord. Let me turn to the sanctuary of the Lord. Now for him, that was the temple. What is it for you? Abraham Lincoln said this, he says, I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go. And James says this, come close to God and he will come close to you. So my question this morning for you is, for Asaph that was easy. He went to the temple. That brought him back closer to God. And as he walked into the temple, he felt the peace, the understanding, and the knowledge that he had everything in control. God was sovereign. What do you do? What do you do? How do you find sustenance in God? Where do you go? Don't let the cause dictate how you're to react and act. I just used some big examples. Marriage debate, politics. But let me bring it more down to earth. A person treats you badly. How do you act? Do you fight to get that person to repent? You got it wrong. Repent. Does that work? My experience tells me no. In fact, it usually gets two people really digging in their heels. Kind of futile, like World War I, digging trenches and firing over the edge. You know, at the end of the day, how can you help somebody come to understanding they've done something wrong? Do you have the power to do that? Or does God have that power? Do you have enough faith to let him fight the cause? Or do you feel like you have to be the soldier out there with the gun, monitoring and fighting? What gives you sustenance? What gives you sustenance? You know, the early church... Sometimes I hear people saying, we need to get back to the early church. We need to get back to Acts. And I think, amen to that. But do you realize how radically different they are then than they are today? Back then, don't hear ever of a rally against a policy or a fight against uh, injustice. They never picketed or went on strike. They suffered. They endured. They stayed united. And yet somehow that overthrew the largest empire of the day. They didn't have petitions. This is human, humans thinking they can do it with their own might. And God keeps showing us over history time and time again, if you just surrender to me, let me do the hard work. Just be faithful for what I've called you to do. Don't fight the cause with your own energy. Find your sustenance first and foremost in me. For we live by faith, 
not by sight. As Asaph walks into the temple, he sees God and his faith is renewed. When he walks out of the temple, what does he see? He sees injustice. He sees the wrongs. And by the way, let me just dispel something for you all. Rich doesn't mean you've got a lot of money, okay? Because I know a lot of people who have a lot of money doesn't mean they're better off than us. They have just as many problems as we do. They have just as many struggles as we do. In fact, I think maybe even more so. So let's not, let's not use class distinctions here. I think richness comes through pride and comfortableness. And you can have a lot of money or no money and still feel like that. But you see the injustice happening around you. You're overwhelmed by it. You want to fight it. You want to... But we don't live by what we see. We live by what we know. That is the faith we have in God who we believe is the creator of the universe, right? Right? That takes just a little bit of power, doesn't it? You think? Hey, dude, who can create a sun for me? Please, come forward. It's already out there, isn't it? We don't need to do it. Okay, then don't create me a sun. Create me a planet. No? No one? Anyone make water come out of thin air? No? Something. Yeah. God's God. If he has that power, who do we think we are? We're to love and to grow people in the knowledge and strength of the Lord. That's our task. That's it. That's all. I love apologetics. I love authors... Uh, from Ravi Zacharias to Greg Kugel, these guys to me are fantastic. They've formed the way I, th- I think. They challenge me where I am. That's good for us. But I can't use those arguments on people because it closes the door. When they threw the prostitute at Jesus' feet, he didn't stand there and recite the law to them. He got down on his knees and rebuked the rest of them. When they challenged him, the religious leaders, to, to, you know, to, to honour the Sabbath, he in turn, what did he do? He healed the man in need and then rebuked the whole lot of them. When the enemy was coming into the garden and Peter, in defence of his Lord, pulls out his sword and knocks the ear off this guy, Jesus heals his enemy and rebukes Peter. Somehow, some way along the line, we as the church have fallen back into those roles. And I think we need a good rebuking. We need a good rebuking. It's not by my might or my power. So the question I ask you again, what gives you sustenance? As I told you, that, that verse 17 is like the marker Right there, all of a sudden, the psalm changes. And here he goes. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and arrogant, a brute beast before you. All of a sudden, he's gone from talking about the injustices all around him to looking inside of him and saying, what is wrong with me? 
How am I portraying God in a favorable way? Is this right? I went from hounding the wrongs around me to looking deep inside of me and thinking, wow, how arrogant was I? How embittered was I? Senseless. And you know, we've been there. You get into arguments. My girls, man, I, I notice myself. You're fighting with your kids and I become a senseless, ignorant, arrogant fool. I'm, st- I'm the father here and you listen. And then you walk away and you're like, oh, I'm going to you know, And then you think, God, what am I doing? We do it with our friends, our co-workers. How many times have you wanted to choke them? Last night, the football rugby, I want to choke some Kiwis. How do we always lose against you guys? We can never win. Huh? Oh, that's me. Senseless ignorant. It's true. I mean, you know, we get these feelings. And you know what? We're human. And injustice is strong in us because God has put it there. And it's okay to get angry, but watch how you show that anger. It's okay to have a strong view on things, but watch how you portray that. Because ultimately, you're called to share the love of Christ. And where we humans, we Christians, sorry, have messed up is we're trying to keep people in line and not letting God keep them in line. It's not through our power or through our might. He goes on. In Hebrews 12, he says, See to it no one falls short of the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When we are too tied to our cause... It's easy to become very bitter and take maybe a little bit too much ownership into it. Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth is nothing I desire besides you, God. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Tell me those are not beautiful words. Tell me that's not the icing on the cake. Whom I have but you, Lord. There's nothing on this earth. My strength is only in you. couple of stories I want to share with you. There was a missionary, and he was coming, a missionary couple, they were coming back home after being out on the mission field for many years. He had lost a leg um, because of disease. Um, they were tired, but they had done an incredible work. They had shared the gospel. A lot of people had come to Christ. They had a movement going that was just well, well established. 
And they're on this cruise liner going back home. And on this cruise liner, apparently there was this big dignitary, some sort of politician. And he was on this ship as well. And when they got into port and, the, you know, the plane comes out, and they all come off the boat. They had a big band and all this fanfare for this great dignitary who, who came off the boat and they gave him flowers and, and he walked and everyone was like, oh, he's here and there's big banners and everything. And finally, when they all moved on, the couple, the missionary, hobbled off the boat to nothing. And the husband was pretty angry. Look at that. This dignitary guy, what's he done for the Lord? I mean, what's he done at all, really? And we get nothing? And the wife turns to him and says, Honey, we're not home yet. We're not home yet. Just wait. How heavy is this glass of water? 250 grams? Is that heavy? Because anyone here not hold one? Everyone can hold a glass of water, can't they? Can you hold it for 10 minutes? Can you hold it for an hour? How about a day? All of a sudden, it doesn't matter how heavy it is. It ends up being how long you're holding on to it. Because the longer you hold it, the heavier it becomes. If I hold this for an hour, I'm going to get a cramp. Hold this for a day. This is what God is about. Because he comes and he takes this from us. And that's the power of Psalm 73. With me? I'll ask our worship team to come up. Where do you find your sustenance? Where do you find your sustenance? We've got a full compliment. I mean, that's the first time I've seen so many people go up there in a long time. Where do you find your sustenance? There's nothing wrong in having a cause, so long as you know who's in charge. So long as you know your sustenance is not found in that cause, it is always found in the Lord God Almighty. Because he's the only one that has the power to change anything and anyone. A friend of mine, uh, we were having a debate over another issue, and he was talking about his pastor, or the new pastor that they're trying to bring on board. He's a divorced man who's remarried. And he says, I don't know if we could have a divorced pastor. That's just wrong. I said, fair enough. Do you do that to people when they come into church if they're divorced? Well, you know, you've got to challenge these people. I said, no, you don't. You've got to share the love of God. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. And that goes for anything that goes on. You know, we are called to judge one another. And if I've got enough say in people's lives, I'll say what I feel. I'm not holding back. But at the end of the day, I'm not the one that changes them. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. And I'd be pretty presumptuous to think that I can do a better job than the Spirit can. 
We need to be strong on that. We've got to remember, we're not home yet. And stop carrying those glasses of water around. Let them go. Let the Lord be your sustenance. Dear Lord God, I just pray for our people this morning. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you are our sustenance. You are the one that takes those glasses of water from us. You're willing to if we just come to you, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that you reveal yourself to those of us this morning who are seeking you out. Those here who are struggling with maybe those cups of water or walking down those gangplanks and watching so much of the injustice of the world around them. Those who might be hurt from the actions of others in their lives, whether it be maybe friends or family. Those who are feeling hurt and are not happy at being treated that way. May they find their strength in you, Lord. Take the cup from them, Father. I know there's some of us this morning that are struggling with this. I give it to you now, Lord. Help them to meet you. Help them to see you, not with the eyes in our heads, but with the eyes of their heart with the faith that only you can give us, Lord. Bring about healing. And we do pray that you right the wrongs. There's a lot in this world that's not going well. We can, we can look everywhere, even in our own country, Lord. There are things that are going on that we don't approve. We know it grieves your heart. Help us to change the world, not by fighting it, but by showing them how much you love them, by showing them the sacrifice of your son, by showing them the blood on that cross is the blood of salvation. Let the Spirit do the work. Let us be his tool, not our own. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.